0: I always say that if I see a moment happen through the camera, if I see it happen through the viewfinder, it means I didn't get it. (laughs) Because if I had gotten it, the shutter would have clicked.
1: You're tuning into the Founder Hour. I'm your co-host, Pat. And in episode 43, Posh and I had an epic conversation with legendary sports photographer and NBA Hall of Famer, Andrew Bernstein. Andrew has taken some of the most iconic photos the sports world has ever seen. If you're curious as to which ones, just search his name on Google and you'll see. We sat down with Andy to learn about his story of growing up in Brooklyn, how a trip to the national parks with his dad sparked his interest in photography, how he caught his first big break, and what it's been like working with NBA greats such as Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and Magic Johnson. We also talk about his fondest memories, what goes into being a successful photographer and the preparation behind it, and his 20-plus year relationship with Kobe leading up to their new book together, The Mamba Mentality, How I Play, which was released on October 23rd. Showtime.
2: Well, everyone, welcome to the Founder Hour podcast. This is your co-host, Posh, and I'm here with Pat. Pat, and we're lucky to be with our guest for today, Andrew Bernstein. So, Andrew, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show and inviting us to your office. Hey,
0: guys, it's great to have you guys here. Thank you for coming on a busy day. Absolutely, and do you go by Andy or Andrew? Andy, unless we're related. Okay, so I don't think we're related. You no. call me Andrew, but... wh- who knows? who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never know. These days. Uh, at the end of this podcast, we might find out. Right. Um, and for those for
2: those that haven't heard of uh, Andy Bernstein, uh, Andy is a legendary Hall of Fame photographer. And if you haven't heard of him, I can almost. Guarantee my life savings that you 've seen at least one of his art like one of his photos, whether you are or are not a sport fan mm-hmm. uh, and we 'll post it on our social media channels for you guys to realize who 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 this man really is, uh, especially if you 're a Lakers fan, so you definitely know who he who he is in his work. So, Andy, just to kind of start off, I know you
0: mentioned New York before we
2: started the podcast.
0: Were you born in New York? I was born and bred in Brooklyn, New York. That's right. Uh, My family were lifelong Brooklyn Dodger fans. I actually grew up a a Rangers fan, hockey fan. Mm -hmm. I ended up, uh, you know, graduating high school and then going to University of Massachusetts in Amherst, where Mm -hmm. all my friends were Boston sports fans. So, that was a a challenge, to say the least. But... Luckily, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have an American League affiliation at all because I was prevented from having any any Yankee <laughs> baseball cards. Mention the word Yankees, they hated the Yankees where I grew up. Yeah. So I became a Red Sox fan. So super excited about the Red Sox this year.
2: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I've been. I was born in LA, but I have. One team that's from Boston and that's the Patriots. Oh no, yeah. And no, I've Patriots liked them for too. years, yeah, like 98, 99. Yeah. Sure. Boston has that effect
1: on people. It's just <laughs> yeah. you don't have to be from Boston to be <laughs> yeah. Boston. Yeah. Fan. Yeah, well. Because I think
2: that
0: their fans are just so hardcore and so passionate, yeah, yeah, that it's contagious. contagious. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah contagious. It is. I, I I became a Patriots fan too. I didn't have any affiliation to yeah. either the Giants or the Jets growing up and yeah. Went to Foxborough a few, a few times with my friends, Amazing. and um, this is the Steve Grogan era, you know, back in mm-hmm. when yep. they, were, they they like won two games or something. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was a lot of fun and it was crazy. What a crazy atmosphere in Foxborough those days. And those it's only days. been getting better and better, yeah. obviously. Yeah. That,
2: that dynasty, hopefully, is it's probably, it looks like it's going to end soon, but yeah. You know, we, we, well, well, Brady's see.
0: like 50 something now, right? Yeah, he's like 40. <laughs> I mean, like, he eats, avo- like it. He yeah. eats avocado ice cream, yeah. and you know, and he's married to
2: Giselle. So, yeah. I mean, you know,
0: I, I could right. be played. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I could imagine this guy playing.
2: He's like 60 years old, just like balding, like right. me, like me, like at 60, and he's just throwing like just you know balls all day. And just right. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and yeah, I wanted to tell you the story of how this even happened, like us being in this room. Um, so, like I had mentioned before, um, we've been doing this for almost a year now, and we've been hustling Pat and I uh, to you know meet with people in LA. And our whole thing is to meet people that are founders and creators and just visionaries in LA and obviously you know you fit that mold perfectly and we've been emailing back and forth with everyone anybody that you could think of mm-hmm. we emailed um and so obviously Pat and I are big Lakers fans and so I was like you know we got to interview Kobe but not because of his basketball career I want to interview Kobe because of kind of the accolades and all the stuff that he's done after and just mm-hmm. how his mindset during his nba career and that's obviously something that you you know will be discussing this book mama mentality um and how that's kind of impacted him now and so i've reached out to him several times several times several times several times and finally i saw him tweet a picture of him being on the ellen show mm-hmm. and it was that wizard outfit yeah right. and i think he was promoting uh, the yeah. book the mama mentality right and so i'm like you know what I'm gonna give it one more shot. <laughs> so I sent him an email. I was like, "Hey Kobe, happy Friday! Just saw you know that tweet with Ellen costume. You look great. Would love to you know would love would love to sit down with you. Are you down?" Yeah. Long story short, he didn't respond. Uh, but his like his PR team from Rogers and Cohen did. Mm-hmm. And a couple days after, your PR team from Rogers and Cohen also mm-hmm. hit right. us up saying, "Hey, I know you guys hit up Kobe, but we'd love for you guys to also sit down, you know, with Andy." And so we're like, as soon as Pat and I saw that, we read that email, we're like, this is a no brainer. Awesome. Wow. So, so that's how we came to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and I'm excited, you know, shout out to your team there, you know, Chase specifically yep. was the one that reached out. Yeah. So yep. when did you make the move to LA?
0: Oh, well, I came to LA uh, during the blizzard of 78. It was, uh, it was literally called the blizzard of 78 in Boston. Yeah. I moved here in that winter and landed in L.A. It was 84 degrees. I'll never forget it. And, and I said, I'll never, you know, that was a one-way ticket. I'm never going back. So <laughs> I came out to, um, to finish school. I actually um, went uh, two and a half years at University of Massachusetts then got accepted to Art Center College of Design, which is a really prestigious. In Pasadena? Yeah. Um, commercial art, photography, design, um, car design, environmental, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I got accepted there, and while I was there, um, I started working as an assistant for one of my teachers who introduced me to some Sports Illustrated photographers, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where I really, you know, I'm a street guy from New York, so I got my sort of book training, my lab training, my classroom training at Art Center, but I got my street training, like my arena hit the ground training, um, working for these guys, and, and I learned a very specialized technique of lighting indoor arenas with these big strobe lights, which only Sports Illustrated was doing at the time. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I kind of parlayed that into uh, getting my foot in the door in the Forum with the Kings and Lakers and then with the NBA. That was early 80s, and I was in the right place at the right time. And so did you go to Art Center? I mean, were you studying photography there? Or yeah. Was,
1: you saw, they, they had a photography oh, program? Oh, yeah. No,
0: okay. they, actually, their photography program has the most students in it. Okay. I mean the, the school has like around 1200 or so students, maybe 1500. The photography department has over 300 mm. and they uh it's a it's a huge department.
1: And why photography? Like what got you into it in the first place?
0: Oh, that's a great question, Pat. I um when I was 14, my dad and I made a trip out to the western states to go to all the national parks and it was a two-week trip, just father and son. And my dad was a doctor, but he he thought he was you know an amateur photographer, or even better than an amateur photographer. <laughs> so he bought me a camera, and he was going to teach me how to take pictures with it. And I, I you know I had no interest in photography whatsoever until I got that camera. But it was an old what camera? It yeah, it was an old clunker. And, um, it was a Canon TL camera. Mm-hmm. You know, all of course manual everything yeah. and, and uh, film. Um, and it is a great story about this. So in those days, you would buy Kodachrome film, slide film. And with the roll of film, you got a mailer, you know, like an actual mailer. that You stuck the film. You, you shot the film. You stuck it in the mailer. Wherever you are in the United States, it was prepaid. Yeah. The, the film went back to Rochester to their lab, Kodak. And then they would process the film and send you the, the actual slides to your house. Okay. You know, it was great. Yeah. So and they would come in these like these rectangular yellow boxes. So, you know, we're in Yellowstone, we're in Yosemite, we're in Grand Teton, Grand, you know, Grand Canyon, wherever we were, we're shooting film and my dad would put his film in his mailer and I put my film in my mailer and <laughs> end up in Rochester. When we got home, there's like 50 of these boxes sitting there at home. My mother was like, "What the heck is, you know?" And so we start going through these rolls of film. And my dad, you know, is like, "Oh, this picture of Mount Rainier is unbelievable!" And look at this one of, of Old Faithful and you know Half Dome. And I'm like, well, "Hold on, Dad. Hold on. Let me let me take a look at that that role. And He gives me the roll, and I'm looking through the slides, and then there's, there's pictures of him in those mm-hmm. f- slides. So I'm like, "Dad." these are my pictures, not your pictures, <laughs> so he's like, kid, you got some talent, you should stick with it, and I really, that's where I caught the bug, and I had a good friend in high school who uh, was a photographer, photography buff, and he had a dark room in his basement, and to see, like, the photo come up in the paper, in the in the solution, you know, the print, it was truly magical, yeah. and, uh, you know, I miss that today, but that's kind of how I got started.
1: And then I know you said you were a sports fan growing up. Did you? I mean, did you see that intersection like being something you wanted to go into, like this intersection of sports and photography, or did it just kind of happen that way when you moved to to L- L.A. and
0: Well, I was always the shortest kid on the block, but I loved playing sports. I loved playing. Uh, we played stickball. We played street hockey. We played tackle football in the <laughs> snow. You know, anything we could do um, in the playground or on the street. And I, I just love sports. I came from a sports family, you know. My my family were, were crazy Dodger fans, you know, back in the day. And of course, you know, I was a hockey fan, and so it was a great marriage of the two passions, you know, sports, which I could never play, I didn't even be on a varsity team or anything, yeah. but I love being around the game, mm-hmm. and also photography. And then the third part of that was a great bonding thing for my dad and I. You know, we bonded over photography. At the onset, but also over sports. So when I started traveling, you know, shooting fights, shooting NBA events, international stuff, dream team, um, baseball, whatever it was, I would bring my dad with me. And uh, it was, you know, a fantastic uh, father-son experience for a long time. I mean, he until he died, I mean, he traveled with me, you know, three, four trips a year. Wow.
2: And I'm sure for him, it was like, not only proud that his son was doing this, but he was probably just so excited as a dude, just like yeah. going to all. These he had he got a credential, and, you know. He didn't yeah. have to pay for a ticket. <laughs> yeah. you know, it was, it the was great. Hang around your neck, like <laughs> yeah, the press yeah. yeah. And
0: I made him carry my bags, but he didn't care. <laughs> my son better. Be, my, my son better be a photographer. <laughs> uh,
2: so, c- kind of just taking it back, though, Andy. How did you catch your first break? You know, a, a lot of people are photographers. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to, you know, be photographers for sports teams, but. Not a lot of people catch that
0: break of actually getting that opportunity. Mm-hmm.
2: How did that happen?
0: Well, I I, I kind of helped it make it happen, um a little bit unknowingly, but also it was there was a plan there. Um, right. it's like, like looking
2: back the dots kind of make sense. Yeah, like well, when I, when
0: I was assisting and I learned this this specialized technique, I knew that the the the, the, the photographs that I would be able to produce using this strobe technique would be better than anyone else could get not using the strobes. Because, you know, keep in mind, this is pre-digital, really badly lit arenas. The film was not sensitive enough to really capture the action well enough. You'd have to really basically only shoot in black and white. Mm-hmm. So color was almost unheard of, mm-hmm. you know, or it was just, you know, grainy and yucky looking. Um so I was able to, uh, again, get my foot in the door at the Forum. The the Kings and the Laker people and the, the, the Forum people really liked me. And I, I was very careful not to tread on their longtime house photographer, a guy named Wynn Roberts. That was his gig. But I used it to my advantage. And then the the actual big break happened when um, the NBA decided to have their all-star game in L.A. in 83. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the PR director of the Lakers at that time, who I'd become friends with, suggested I go to New York and meet with somebody at the NBA who would be in the position of hiring a photographer for the NBA all-star game, which was a game. It was not a weekend. Mm-hmm. It was a game on mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon at 1230. Um, So I went back to New York for the holidays, as I remember, and uh, I had my little portfolio, and I went to meet with this gentleman named Porter McKinnon. And he said, well, um, so let me understand something. You're local in LA, so we don't have to travel you. There's no expenses. Um, we have like two hundred dollars or something for like the whole thing, and you'll do it. And I said, "Yeah, I'll do it." So I said, "Okay, yeah, you're, you're hired. were like convenient." for them. Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing I know, I'm standing. You know, I'm standing in center court. Both teams are out there for the anthem, and who I'm going to ask you guys because you probably know this: who comes out to sing the most iconic national anthem in the history of national anthems? Oh, wow. 1983 NBA All Star. That's
2: game. nine years before I was born.
0: Okay. Marvin Gaye. And you Ooh. and every you guys and everybody out there needs to look it up because it was it was literally voted the most iconic really? rendition yeah. of the national. You know, I've anthem. never heard of that. It was five and a half minutes long. Wow. He riffed on it and uh But it was good. Oh, it was unbelievable. It's 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 legendary. I really? mean and that was that's how I broke into the NBA. I'm standing <laughs> there, the guys start bopping around after about three minutes, you know. And, I mean, are you nervous at this point? I, I was I was kind of uh, a little bit nervous, yeah. I got to say I was nervous. I, You know, nobody was giving me any direction, so yeah. I just figured I would just wing it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it was just the game then. Um, But no. I did have to do, I do remember I did have to do a team picture, which uh, was interesting. And I was working around people I knew well from the forum, so we all kind of looked after each other. And I, I I made friends with some NBA people who are friends today, 40 years later, mm-hmm. um, who I worked very, very, very closely with in those early days. Mm-hmm.
1: So you said, like, no one was r- really giving you direction, and here you are, like, this brand new photographer, and you're just kind of getting into it and, and learning the ropes. How, how did you figure out how it worked? Like, did, was it just kind of, hey, you know... Go go figure out yourself. Get your angles, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. Or was there some sort of system in place? Well,
0: I've been to so many games as an assistant and seen how those photographers um, treated their assignments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had a little bit of a, an idea of what the rundown would be for the All Star Game. And, and I was given really carte blanche access. I was able to go in the locker room. I was able to be in the huddles. I was, you know, getting the guys whatever they were doing on and off the court. You know, arriving and leaving press conference so i i kind of had an idea of what was expected of me and um and it was it was fun i mean it was uh an incredible way to break into the nba were you ever starstruck by some of these folks that you were around no i honestly never i i was always in awe of them but not starstruck i mean i there's a difference because right. I, i'm very much in awe of what unbelievable athletes these guys right. are i mean you and know, you've and it, worked with like all the of best <laughs> yeah. of the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be Magic, could be Kareem, Kobe, James Worthy, right. you know, in basketball. Of course, Michael Jordan. Now we got the new generation with LeBron and Duran, Curry, and, and all these guys just incredible athletes. Right. And, uh, you know, if we go to other sports, you know, Oral Hershiser, the most, you know, probably underrated. Dodger great of all time. Yeah. Um you know, who who would who would ever thought that this guy, the way he looked, looked like a librarian? You know, <laughs> Tommy called him the bulldog, <laughs> who would have this amazing streak of fifty-nine innings, you know, um, and then of course lead the team to the eighty eight championship. Boxers, uh, tennis, you know, I've been around all different sports. Um I was lucky enough to photograph Michael Phelps. I mean, these guys are just like, like superhuman. Right. Yeah, but never, never starstruck, but always in awe, always ex- incredibly respectful, and um, understanding that you know they are where they are because they worked hard to get there.
1: And so you've had this amazing thirty-plus year career. Tell us, like, one moment that really, like, you remember, like, that's the the best moment of your life that really sticks out. If you had to choose.
0: Well, I'll Hold tell on you that. one assignment. If I, if I could have retired after being embedded with the Dream Team for seven weeks. You know, <laughs> this is 92? This is the 92 Dream Team. I was with them from day one of training camp in San Diego through the Tournament of the Americas in Portland to Monaco to Barcelona and the gold medal, and that was seven total weeks. So that, you know, nothing will ever compare to that. Um, I think second to that is probably being on the inside with Kobe for his entire 20-year career. Mm-hmm which, you know, is was the genesis and the result being um, the Mama Mentality book. Um, there have been some amazing moments. If you want an actual moment, um, you know, Kirk Gibson's home run, the 88 World Series. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That's my picture of him hitting the home run. Fuck. You know. Yeah. And when you're in those moments, so, like, I mean, looking back, yeah. like, did you actually feel like it was like
1: the dream team? Like it was going to be oh, a yeah. Yeah. Kind of legendary oh, team forever? Yeah. I mean, you, you felt it?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. These guys, I, I mean. It.
0: But why? What, what made them that good? Well, I mean, first of all, they were, they were the, the top of the NBA. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like anybody was missing, you know. And then it was the first time ever NBA players were assembled to represent the United States in the Olympic team. So it was very historic. And then once we got to Barcelona, you know, they were destroying opponents. I mean, right. they, I don't think they lost the game by less than 40 points. Okay. Um, so it was a very monumental um uh, moment in time that I was very fortunate to be part of. And,
2: and I'm sitting across from the 93 USC basketball team photo. <laughs> yeah. Were you the one that took that? Team I took shot?
0: Uh, probably half of those. Okay. Um, um, the other half was shot by my good friend Nat Butler, who's kind of my alter ego in the mm-hmm. East Coast. And uh, we kind of split that up. And uh, those are the early days of kind of Photoshop. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even Photoshop, but whatever it was called, where they mm-hmm. would put these guys together in a chorus line poster. Yeah.
2: Andy, the one thing I'm curious about is throughout now, kind of looking back at your career, did you ever think when you were younger, when you first picked up that camera, that this was possible?
0: No. No, but I, I, I no, I didn't. And I, I did have a aha moment, though, about photography as a career. At what point? Well, because I came out, the summer of 77 okay. was my, uh, after my sophomore year at UMass, I came out to stay in L.A. with my sister. And um, she was filming a movie. She's an actress, so I was going to the set with her every day, and I was bringing my camera with me. And the uh, the the unit photographer, the on set photographer, who was there every single day. Incredible guy named Alan Papé, who's passed away, but he was probably one of the greatest in the history of Hollywood. Um, he was you know, took me under his wing and he was there every day and I'd bring pictures and I'd go back into a rental dark room and develop them and bring them to him and and he said after, you know, five or six times of doing this, he told my sister, he said, You know, your brother's got some talent here. You now maybe it would be worthwhile if he's gonna be here for the rest of the summer that he take a class. And there's a school called Art Center College of Design. They have a, a night class that it's an introduction to photography class. Maybe, you know, you guys can go up and check it out. So on an off day, my sister and I went up, and it was super cool campus, and I found out about the class, and I enrolled in it. I remember it was a Wednesday night class. And the first time, the first class, I remember, I, I got in the car to drive back to her apartment in Hollywood, coming down onto Sunset Boulevard and as you guys know there's you know a million billboards mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and yeah. most of them have, f- have photos on them yep. and advertising whatever it's the first time ever I looked up and I said there's a photograph on that billboard that somebody must have taken or had to have taken obviously mm-hmm. and therefore there's like a business like a career there's like money to be made there's here. yeah it's like it's not just screwing around with a camera. Right. Like this is actually a career you could make. Right. I mean, I had never put two and two together. That, right. But it was know. crazy.
1: Like, did you think back then? Like, obviously, um, now looking back, all these moments that you've captured really tell the whole story of history. Like, you wouldn't know those moments unless you saw. I mean, video. There's video too. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, there's something about capturing like one moment that just brings back all those memories. Well, did you know I, it was that
0: powerful? I, I'm really fortunate to be part of especially in the nba um the incredible moment in time that the nba experienced during showtime jordan era Shaq and kobe i mean these these 35 plus years um i don't think the league will ever see that again um they're building on on that now but um so to be able to be to have my photographs be part of the visual history of the league is, uh, is extremely gratifying and very humbling. Appreciate you mentioning that. But, um, you know, after this hall of fame thing that happened last month, uh, Adam Silver said to me, he said, he congratulated me, of course. And you're the second ever to, it's the Kurt Gowdy award, right? Kurt Gowdy uh, award for, uh, media and yeah. in the print category. And you're the second photographer, second ever. photographer, first NBA centric photographer. Yeah. um, And Adam said, uh, he said, I think your best pictures are in front of you. So I'm like, okay, I'll take that as a challenge. Thank you very much. So that that made me feel invigorated going into this season. I mean, if that's the case, then shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Because you you go on your website or you go on your Instagram or anything. (laughs) I mean, for, for me, my favorite. So. (laughs) <laughs> Once we realized, you know, okay, like, okay, we know who Andy Bernstein and his – like, we know his photographs. Um, and we were sitting down at Pat's garage, and his dad came, and he's like, he's like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, his dad is, like, yeah. the generation yeah. above us, so he's, he's right. lived through all those photos. Yeah. Like, yeah. he saw it in action. Like, just kind of like the people saw the LeBron one a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. like you go, People lived through the Larry Bird Magic Johnson. For me, that's my favorite yeah. photo is the Larry Bird Magic Johnson
0: one. I love that one. Because too,
2: those yeah. are just, like – two legends you know and i mean yeah. I, i've just heard and listened to everything magic johnson ever has had to say <laughs> because for me he's like a role model in terms of just business and as a human being yeah so for me that photo just of that rivalry of that powerful rivalry yet mm-hmm. you know off the field they're like best of friends and just yeah you know th- they're always supporting one another so when you take those photos and i think this is something that you mentioned on your podcast which mm-hmm. is called legend of sport
0: mm-hmm. um, legend of sport right legend of sport so
2: yep. you were talking to magic johnson and he said something or you said something i can't remember who said it but it was about the fact that the reason that you took those shots or the reason why those photos end up the way they do is because you knew these folks off the field mm-hmm. you knew mm-hmm. when magic johnson was going to do that, that no look pass mm-hmm. you know you knew when those special moments were going to happen mm. people don't see the preparation behind the actual yeah. art yeah. what does that preparation look like for you
0: well, um, the great Walter Yost, who's basically the, one of the godfathers of uh, sports photography, you know, says that that luck is really due to preparation. Yeah, I know I'm paraphrasing Walter. Sorry, Walter, <laughs> but um, I very much believe in that. I mean, uh, you know, for a typical seven thirty game, my team is at at the arena at two o'clock in the afternoon. We're setting up seven or eight remote cameras where where, um, you know, getting my stuff ready for the game ahead. And then I get there, you know, a couple of hours later, get all prepared because nothing happens by accident. So, you know, with Magic, for example, I mean, I got lucky a few times with those no-look passes, but I got burned a few times too because, yeah. you know, he'd be coming down the court full steam ahead. He got Worthy on one side, Cooper on the other side. He makes about 15 moves before he gets to the basket. Yeah, you don't even know what he's going <laughs> to You don't know either. what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but you learn the guy's games just like I learned magic. I learned uh, learned Jordan's game. I learned Kobe's game as best I could. Um, Shaq was a lot more product- predictable because everything happened like right around the rim. <laughs> right there. Not yeah. much movement. But you know, <laughs> you, it. but you wanted to get that dunk. Yeah. Um, as ferocious as you could as a photographer and one thing to keep in mind about the type of photography i do especially with basketball and hockey is that using this indoor strobe system i can only shoot one photo every four seconds mm-hmm. hmm. so i can't lean on a motor drive that takes 10 or 12 frames a second right mm-hmm. and pick one out of there mm-hmm. i can I, I really can only shoot one photo in my mind i have to count to four and then i could shoot another photo yep. so Everything happens so quickly, yeah. especially in basketball, hockey, any any sport really. That in those four seconds, you know, the ball could be down the other side of the court by then. Yep. Or you know, there could be a foul it could go out of you know out of bounds, whatever it is. I mean, Derek Fisher shot
2: in what zero point four. <laughs> zero point yeah. yeah. four. So know? have there been moments where you like
0: missed it? And like, there's like, oh, a yeah. big moment where you're just like, oh, Shit. absolutely, yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. if I, if I miss a shot because I either get blocked. If it's something out of my control, if I get blocked, a referee's in the way, guy's arm is in yeah. his face, um, whatever, you know, it, I just chalk it up. If it's if it's something that, that I could have controlled in my own mind, like if the strobes don't work, which has happened, if uh, God forbid I go out of focus, if I don't time it right, you know, those are things that I I kick myself about. There sure. have been times, oh, absolutely, there's four or five times I I can probably think of that I just. You know, I went, I, I had a sleepless night. Let me just mm-hmm. put yeah. it to you that way. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, but it happens. Yeah. It, but happens. it happens in
2: everything that we do. Is like, yes. There's always disappointment, especially when it's something that's in our own destiny. Yeah. It's something that's in our own control. If sure. We disappoint ourselves. Nobody yeah. else really knows about those mistakes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. A lot of people know about mine because, you know, a lot of Andy, people. Did you watch, capture that moment? Yeah. Uh, well, I've gotten that of, call yeah. and I've had to say, you know what? I missed it. Or. Strobe's in fire Or you know All of the above Referee got in the way Whatever yep. But are you almost playing Like predictor At times Or are you just re- Are you
2: in that moment Oh yeah
0: Totally in the moment I mean You know the book is called Mamba Mentality right. For a reason Yeah and, and that's a great segue Into this book yeah, yeah I mean You know It's obviously Kobe's term That he right. came up with But it, he and I Are totally in tune About what Mamba Mentality means What is it? Well for me it It's being completely locked in and getting rid of all distractions around me. So as you know, you know, it could be a regular season game, all-star game or NBA finals game. There's a lot going on around the periphery of what I'm doing. I'm sitting on the court. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of distraction. I have to tune all of that out. Mm. I have to be very locked in and focused on what I'm trying to do, what I'm there for. I have to have 100% confidence in myself that I know my equipment. So there's no not fumbling around for a mm-hmm. lens or a, a figure out a shutter speed or an f-stop. You know, it's, it has to be a sixth sense. And Art center actually helped me with that, really understand about everything technical photography-wise and then, of course, learning as an assistant and then doing it on my own. Um, and then um, everything it took to get to that point is also the Mamba mentality. It's like a, a confidence, not mm-hmm. arrogance, but it's a confidence in yourself that you're going to, you're there for a reason. Right. That you sacrificed a lot, that you spent a lot of time doing your craft to get to a certain point mm-hmm. that you're put there for a reason. You know, it's not just random that I'm the guy, you know, sitting there in front of LeBron now, you know. Oh, we, see, we see it. But but there's a reason why that is. Right. You know, and I pride myself in that. So from Kobe's standpoint, it's 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 a much it's a much more um i guess cerebral and and deeper definition for mamba mentality but he um as we know you know he became the mamba the black mamba and he took on that persona which was was deadly i mean he was deadly before (laughs) but but the you know the veteran kobe when he became the mamba was you know was basically unstoppable
1: So the book is about your 20 plus career with kobe yeah um and you're probably one of very few people who have been there for those moments Mm -hmm. with him like all these moments throughout throughout his career yeah Yeah, like Mm -hmm. tell us kind of how your relationship with kobe has just matured and and what you guys are like together
0: well i met kobe he was 18 years old he just turned 18 and it was media day 1996 (laughs) and like any new player um when he came on my set uh to i had to photograph him I went to introduce myself, and I say, "Hey, Kobe, I'm, I'm Andy Bernstein, the Lakers team photographer." And he shook my hand. He said, "Oh, I know who you are," and I, you know, if you heard this story before, I, know, I haven't heard I, the story because no. I've it. told the story a couple of times. No. I love this story, so I said, "You know who I am?" I and mean, we haven't ever met. And he goes, "Oh no, no I know who you are because I had all your posters in my room growing up. Yeah. You know, Jordan, uh, Magic, Bird, Dominique, all the guys." And I'm thinking to myself, nobody, I mean, I don't even read the photo credit on the bottom of a poster. I'm yeah. sure you guys have never read a photo credit. No, I've credit. read it. I've read it. Yeah. Okay. But as you know, it is in like microscopic yeah. typeface, you know, right. <laughs> I mean, point size. Mm-hmm. So here's a guy who has the presence of mind to study everything about a poster, including the photo credit, you know? So I knew that- This is uh, him at 18.
2: Yeah, this is
1: 18. Also, years Also these old. things get repurposed so many times Yeah, sometimes it's like they don't include it. Right, on the but poster, I mean, right? if, like, you know,
0: the fact that he knew who I was yeah. through poster credits is yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. So I just, you know, I saw a lot in him that I had seen in myself at his age. Um a lot of determination, um drive, ambition, um you know, wanting to get out there <laughs> and prove himself and and a lot of self-confidence. And I we just we just bonded right then and there and I built a trust with him very early. Um he knew I would was not there to take a bad picture of him or make him look bad in any way, shape or form. Um I knew when to get in, when to get out, yeah, a true fly on the wall. And uh the book is a testament to that trust and that relationship over a twenty year period. It's so a really unique relationship because and it's an autobiography right it's from his perspective it's from his perspective 100% his words and 100% of my photographs but I will challenge you guys to think of another athlete A that's played in the same city for the same team for 20 years yep yep who's been photographed by the same photographer for those 20 years. Probably I mean, he consistent. and I yeah. really sat down. I mean, Kobe doesn't like to be um, challenged where he can't resolve the, the question. Yeah. and We couldn't come up with, you know, Derek Jeter came to mind, but he didn't play 20 years for the Yankees, and there's probably a group of people who photographed yeah. him. So it was amazing. Tom Brady maybe, but he's probably maybe, been photographed by several different possibly, people. Possibly, but I, yeah, I can't pinpoint one person, so you know. It's really special. So right. anyway, that being said, it, it was just a, the opportunity to to partner and collaborate, right? And the fact that he wanted to collaborate with me on this, I didn't have to sell him on it. Right. The original book idea actually was 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 a big splashy coffee table, you know, bigger book of you know huge pictures. And he I I proposed that to him and his team, and he was very patient and went through and looked through it, and he closed the proposal. I said, Andy, these are great. He goes, but. He says we're going to do a book together, but it's not going to be this book. And I said, uh, "Why not?" He says, "Well, because you know that book might come later, but I want people to really understand what made me tick. Mm. I've never let anyone in. And if we're going to do a book together, it's going to be illustrated by your photos and my words. Yeah, in the moment he said that, And you don't know, have to think about it. <laughs> and I, you know, that's just the way he operates.
2: Andy, looking yeah. back when you first met him, in all honesty, did you think he is going to be? Great. I mean, like one of the greets, because you had met at the time Michael Jordan, Magic sure. Johnson, Larry Bird, all those guys. Did you, was he up Let's there? not be
1: political here. I grew up in LA. Yeah. I grew up on co- He's the greatest of all time.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because those guys you just mentioned all went to college. Yeah. They all came into the NBA later. You know, a lot of them went at least right. two years. And Magic had, had won before. a national championship yeah. before, right? And. I think Kobe was the first guy that I had met. Maybe well, I knew Moses Malone, and he he had come out of high school. I didn't really know Moses Malone, but he was the first guy I met that was around that came directly out of high school. There was so much hype, Mm -hmm. as you probably know, of what an unbelievable high school player he was. Mm -hmm. So for him to come to the Lakers was very similar to Magic coming to the Lakers, although, of course, Magic had, you know, those couple of years at Michigan State. And Magic right? got drafted by the Lakers, no? Yeah. yeah, and Magic got drafted by the Lakers, yeah. right. So Kobe, I think it was the 13th pick by yep. Charlotte, was yeah. traded, traded for Jerry West for Vladi. Great um, trade. But, <laughs> Amazing trade. <laughs> but the answer to your question was yes, because you could see in this kid's eyes that, first of all, athletically, he was, like, ridiculous. and I saw that in practice. And he was like a caged animal in that first year. I mean, they didn't really play him that much. Yeah. Del Harris kinda held him back, um and which is probably in retrospect a good idea. And then of course, you know, we got to the playoffs and he didn't have a good playoffs against Utah and any other guy might have like kinda shattered their confidence at eighteen years old. But he he said he shot a million jumpers that summer and he got his, you know, his game together and came back and he quickly
1: became who he was. What speaks volumes about him is like that that few year stint in like the mid two thousands where like the Lakers were just terrible. Yeah, and he stuck around. Yeah, he could have left. But he could have he left. Stuck around, and he ended up he, yeah. winning. You know, back to back. And yeah, he's very three loyal to,
0: to the city, to the purple and gold. Um, I think you know Kobe's a very forward thinking guy, so I think he saw that as sort of a downturn that could turn around. Sure, sure. which it did, of mm-hmm. course. You know, when Phil came in. And then he and Shaq the same year um, started playing together, and lo and behold, they win three championships together.
1: So the book is um, from his perspective, but from your perspective, you know, I don't want, not to spoil the book or anything, but is there anything that maybe, kind of just, everything that's been documented about Mm -hmm. Kobe that people know about him already? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot in the book that people don't know and they'll find out, Mm -hmm. but is there anything that you know about him and the type of person he is that you've seen behind the scenes that maybe people don't know?
0: Well, I knew how dedicated he was and how committed he was, but I didn't know how like obsessed he was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy just just took it up like notches that none of us imagined. I mean, this is a guy who is doing workouts during USA training camp in Las Vegas at three o'clock in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. other guys are out partying or the casino or whatever they're doing. He's got he's got a Pilates class, mm-hmm. you know, in his suite. Um, a lot of his teammates, Laker teammates, never saw his private workout. I mm-hmm. did um, because he did it at Staples Center. He would do it in the King's locker room, mm-hmm. uh, in the King's training room, and he and his private trainers. And I would you know, go tag along a couple of times, and a lot of that's in the book. And he talks about his mental preparation, his um, process and craft. The book is broken into those two um, kind of dynamics of his game, how he – How he took care of his body, how he mentally prepared, how he recovered from injury, how he stayed at the top of his game for 20 years, especially after such a devastating injury late in his career as a, as a torn Achilles.
1: I was going to just mention that yeah. that is probably my favorite photo of all time is, is him sitting, him sitting, just, you know, hand, hand, yeah. in, uh, hand in face, just yeah. looking at the ground and you can feel just all the emotions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, I actually wrote in the afterword of the book about how quiet Staples Center was in that moment oh, yeah. that, you know, like a fallen giant, you know, he just crumbled there. And then when he got up, Went to the bench and then walked across the court to shoot free throws. Yeah, I mean it was a superhuman feat, honestly. Right. And then, you know, I was there to, to document his recovery for that. I was actually in the book, the, the photos that have never been seen before of him getting his stitches out in wow. his Achilles. Right. And um, there's a bunch of pictures in there that are um, never been seen before. So people will be very, uh, I think they'll be very enthralled and very interested. Not only what Kobe had to say, but he actually writes directly on some of the photos. He he mm-hmm. he will. It's like we gave him prints, and he would write on them with Sharpie. Actually, oh, wow. what's going on in the picture? Oh, wow. So, like from his like mind. Yes, mind yes. Like, wow. You know how Bruce Bowen is playing him, or. Mm-hmm. Double team, you know, how he would get out of a double team with with Dennis Rodman and and Michael Jordan. Or what's he talking about? You know, we all saw him talking to Michael Jordan on the court. Yeah, We couldn't hear what he was saying. Right. Mm-hmm. Until this book, nobody does really he knows about what that, they were talking about. Did he talk
1: about that conversation with uh, Ron Artest uh, when they were, uh, he was on the Rockets? Right. I always wondered what they were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if he talks about that
0: specifically, but he does talk about yeah. how when Ron slash Meta joined yeah. the Lakers... How he um, he knew that was the right fit for that t- for their team. Yeah. You know, he brought this toughness and yeah. uh, this kind of New York kind of grit. Yep. And uh, I love Meta. Meta was on my podcast, one of my best guests. I mean, the guy is just—he's um, just someone you want on your team. Yeah, and he's he's just yeah he yes absolutely yeah. yeah, and you don't want to be on the other side of of a fight with that guy either. You don't. You don't. <laughs> that, too, that too. Yeah.
2: And do you mentioned something about Kobe that. I think also applies to you and that was the obsessiveness, you know, the focus. And obviously if you weren't so obsessed with what you were doing, I don't think you would be doing it. And I don't think you would be doing it at this level. Yeah. You know, how much emotion goes into these photographs and these moments? Mm -hmm. I mean, because when I see these photos, I see like a fan. I I see a fan taking these photos. Mm -hmm. It's not just... A photographer that is not
0: emotionally attached mm. you know oh, that's an interesting one um well kobe has a great quote that i like to use that uh if if you're not obsessed with what you do we don't speak the same language yeah so he and i bonded that way i mean he saw how obsessed i was with my craft yeah. and what you know what i do for a living as well as it's very easy to see what how obsessed he is mm-hmm. um I try not to be a fan. Um, it's hard It's hard not to be a fan, but um, I have a job to do. And right. if, if I'm a fan, the next logical step after that is that I'm then watching the game instead of recording the game. Right. And if I'm doing that, I'm not doing my job. So I always say that if I see a moment happen through the camera, if I see it happen through the viewfinder, it means I didn't get it. <laughs> because... If I had gotten it, the shutter would have clicked, mm. right? Mm. So if I see it, it means I'm I'm late or I'm not focused or I'm, I'm you know I should be in another line of work, quite honestly, because there's a lot of guys sitting to my left and my right who probably got that picture, right? Yeah.
2: Who should read this book?
0: Wow, um, you know that's one of the early things that we talked about, and and he wanted he wants it to be first of all a teaching book, um, you know it's not. It's not X's and O's per se. It's not uh, um, a manual of how to play basketball, the Kobe way. But he wants coaches, uh, parents, young players, um, you know, gifted players who are trying to get to the next level, whether it's, you know, from high school to college, college to pros, you know, G League, if they're they're trying to get from the G League to the NBA, um, you know, boys, girls, doesn't matter. He wants... All of those people to get something out of this book, like some nuggets from how he how he played. I mean, the you know it's interesting that the subtitle of the book, to Mama Mentality, is how I play. Right. It's not how I played. You know, it's how I play. This is how he lives life. And I'm assuming that was a
2: very like strategic decision to word it as. Yeah, such.
0: yeah. I mean, that was totally him. And I questioned it. I said, "Well, you're not playing anymore, dude. No. <laughs> no, he yeah. goes, this this is how I play. So, right, because it's not, yeah. but because
2: and and that's early <laughs> on. That's why I wanted, and I, that's why I want eventually, hopefully, to sit down with him as well. Because he took what he did in basketball, elevated it, to, elevated it to a whole other level. Yes, and now applies that to everything he's doing. And now, I mean, you know, he's doing all the he does sure. the podcast, he does yeah. the production stuff. He's you know an investor. He won an Academy Award. He won an Academy Award. Yeah. So it's I think, and I think, and the reason I asked was because I see it, you know, at work. I see it with my friends. There is a lack of focus. There is a lack of mm. obsession. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of it also comes with experience, with being a veteran. And it's a little bit more difficult when you're starting up and, you know, mm-hmm. you're still trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, he he was obsessed back as a rookie and, you know, early in his career as he was at the end. It's yeah. just, it yeah. just um, matured. Right. Um, you know, he was a dunk machine those right. early, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever, 10 years. And then he... His His outside shot developed, and then you know his legs weren't as as spry as they used to be, and he didn't dunk as much and then of course he had the achilles injury mm-hmm. and and he went from being you know a rookie and and one of the youngest guys on the team to being a leader mm-hmm. and then he became a veteran right. and then he became a mentor you know? yeah. so his his career really evolved yeah as he evolved as a person as well for sure.
2: And, Andy, I know we could sit here all day and talk, but you have to head to the Lakers game to actually... Yeah, there's a game, game tonight. I don't know what's um, going on. Yeah. But, he, he, yeah. sounds, he sounds so excited <laughs> no, to, I, yeah, to, but, he, to see the Lakers winning.
0: I'm a little bit uh, jacked up uh, yeah. as we record this. this right. is it's the pretty, first Lakers home game of
1: the, the season.
0: Uh, well, it's the first Lakers home game, which is, you know, an, enough uh, pressure, but yeah. it's LeBron's, LeBron's first, first home game. In and it's, uh, yeah. you know, some, some weirdness of scheduling... Um, has the Lakers playing the back end of a doubleheader at Staples Center? So as oh, we're really? as we're talking right now, I know this is going to air later, but um, they're playing a hockey game at Staples Center. Oh, I, oh, wow. I'm going to get there during the changeover. Yeah. Okay. And you know all the normal routine is completely disrupted on a yeah. on a doubleheader day. So yeah. what's your prediction of the Lakers this season? Um, you know I'm encouraged. I I thought they played pretty well in the preseason. Um, they looked really good together. I think so. I think. Uh, I think the guys are the last thing we want is is those guys to defer to LeBron. Like you know, that was the whole knock on, on the Kobe era is mm. that the guys the young guys just stood around and watched Kobe play. They were dependent on him. Yeah. Which and, was LeBron last year. Yeah, and, de- and, and LeBron's gonna need he's gonna need the ball in his hands. You know, they'll figure that out. Um he, he's he's incredibly generous, you know. Yeah. I think a little yeah. overly generous, yeah. generous right now with trying to get the, all the other guys involved. Mm-hmm. They got some great players on oh, this man. team. Kuzma, so so yeah, Alonzo. Look how good Lonzo up. looks, you know. Even yeah. with, with that tweak of the knee that he's trying to get over. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm so excited to see Josh Hart step it up. Yeah, the way Josh he Hart. I mean, Ja McGee. I mean, was, all, yeah. I don't know this like, guy. We're gonna was, win the
2: championship this year. I don't care who disagrees with me.
0: You know what? You heard, it here. You heard it here. I'll take it. The mama mentality.
2: You got to stay focused stay positive but they um,
0: they are definitely gonna be an exciting team to oh, watch yeah. a lot of fun i mean the lebron show is, is in full force of it kind of reminds me a little bit of the bulls era which oh, was yeah. kind of like a traveling rock show you yeah. know and uh, <laughs> it's the same thing with lebron well, it's gonna now. be exciting for you that's for sure yeah for sure and for sure. again i'm thankful um I'm up to the task of, of being the guy, you know, right in front of LeBron, and uh, and we can't wait to
2: see just all the pictures and the photos and the memories that you know you're going to create on a daily. I mean, right after we agreed to do this, I saw the LeBron photo of just him dunking. Well, how ridiculous was his, like, his
0: first official points uh, right? as a Laker is yeah. a breakaway dunk! Amazing, it was unbelievable. <laughs> right way, in my face. the way, just storybook, storybook. <laughs> yeah. It had to be that way. Yeah. It was well, crazy. Andy, this has
1: been amazing. Congrats on all the success yeah. throughout your career thank you guys, and on the book. And excited to see where where it goes. Obviously. You know, you know, it's gonna do well. So, thank you, fellas. Um, appreciate this has been it. awesome.
0: Yeah, it's been great, and I, I appreciate you guys taking the time today to come out.
1: Love Love it.